As a visitor today, we would ask you to take one of the Connect cards. should be in the pew in front of you, and if you would fill that out for us, we'd appreciate it so that we can uh, help you connect here in the body. Um, today we're going to do some things a little bit unusual. This is going to be Family Sunday. Uh, your kids are going to get up here in a little bit and sing Vacation Bible School songs. Uh, we're going to get to see a father baptize his son today. We're going to hear the voices of kids out there because there's no children's church or nursery. Is that right? Okay. So we're going to find out how well you control your kids. <laughs> we're going to have a couple join today. She's not able to be here because she has advanced Alzheimer's, and uh, he will not be able to attend a lot at the church on Sundays because uh, he is fulfilling his vows in sickness and in health. We're also going to hear testimonies, a child, a teen, a couple, a senior. I'm going to give a message, just some basics on family. And we're going to have communion together, which is a really a uniting of, of us as a family, the family of God today. So that's kind of what's going to go on. There's a lot of moving parts to it, and I'm excited about it. What I want to do first is, is start with a, what I'll call a, a family talk. And I want to share three things about families. I'm going to jump right into it. You ready? Number one, there are no perfect families. There are no perfect people, so there are no perfect relationships, so there are no perfect families. Thumb through your Bible sometime and look for the perfect family. The first family had a son who was the first murderer. You look at Noah. God pulled Noah aside because mankind was so evil and he destroyed the earth and he put Noah and his family on the ark and delivered them and they get off the ark and what happens? Noah gets drunk and there's nakedness and a curse. Look at Abraham. He had an affair with concubine. Look at Lot. Incest. David. Adultery. Can I just confess something to you? I'm not the perfect husband. And I'm not the perfect father. And I'm not the perfect friend. And I'm not the perfect pastor. And I'm not the perfect Christian. And you're not either. So can we just own that? You know why many people tell me they don't come to church? Because they think church 
is where you come to pretend. You dress better. You behave better. You smile more. You talk different. You act different. You pretend. But you see, church should be just the opposite. It should be the one place where you come where you don't have to pretend. There are no perfect people, so there are no perfect relationships. So there are no perfect families, so why do we come to church? Because we need God. You say, Dan, I've, I've got the perfect marriage. No, you're just in denial. Men, you know that look your wife gives you that says, you are my dream come true? Me neither. (laughs) Because you're not. Now, if you're single here, I don't want to burst your bubble. But there is no perfect mate. There is no Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. There's just Mr. Good Enough. And you need to find someone who is not perfect who admits that they're not perfect and is leaning on Jesus. That's who you need. You say, well, Dan, that family is perfect. No, they're just better at pretending. If you went home with them for a week, you would find out they're not perfect. Have I made my point? You're a sinner... You married a sinner, and you give birth to sinners. (laughs) Some of you come to church so you can put them in the nursery for an hour. (laughs) I understand that. Children are not perfect. But I just want to clear the air. There are no perfect families. It's okay to exhale. It's okay to relax. Because if our expectation is perfection, guess what happens? We have to fake it. Let me say a second thing. There are seasons in the life of a family. Just as there are seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall, There are seasons in the life of a family, and they're progressive in the same way. You have a baby, and what are you doing? You're you're marking its first smile, the first word, the first step. And I watch some of you, and you've got your little baby standing against something, holding on, and you're, you're over there going, come here, come here, come here. 
and they're wobbling all over the place, and then they kind of go, and you go, look at that. That's amazing. And then it isn't very much longer that they're in ballet class, and they're spinning around, or they're in sports, and they're running across the field. And then you're teaching them to drive. And then you're sending them off to college. And then you're planning for a wedding. And then they're having kids. And then they're helping you walk. The seasons in a family. Some of them are progressive. Other seasons are unpredictable. They just pop up. Some are joyful. Some are painful. Some are full of gain. Some are full of loss. In some you celebrate, in others you mourn. Let me give you three words to help you through the seasons of your family life. They're all P's. Number one is pause. We have differing amounts of money, talents, resources, but there's one thing we all have the exact same amount of, and that is time. And yet the echo I hear when people are talking about their family is, I can't find the time. It flew by, and I don't know where it went. Time is an interesting commodity. We save time, kill time, waste time, live on borrowed time. We do overtime, double time, part time. We have crunch time, half time, down time, leisure time, break time, travel time, lunch time, spare time. And then we say, I can't find the time. And so we rush through life, and I look over at the, at the traffic light, and I see you putting your makeup on at the traffic light because you're behind and you're rushing through life. Although Jesus was doing the most important job in history, redeeming the world, and though he just had a little window of time to do it in, if you read the Gospels, you'll find that he never ran. He was never in a hurry. In fact, he tended to slow down most of the time. You remember when he heard about Lazarus, his friend, who was sick and about to die? Did he rush to Lazarus? No. He went slower. His first miracle in John chapter 2 was at a Jewish wedding. Jewish weddings lasted for days. So Jesus is at a wedding just hanging out. We know he hung out. He didn't just show up and leave. He hung out because he waited until the wine was all gone to do his miracle. Jesus took time to consider the flowers of the field. He took time to consider the birds of the air. He took time 
to take little children and set them on his lap and bless them when the disciples were trying to keep them away because he was so busy. Jesus didn't have interruptions. He just had opportunities. Time was his friend. And I would say to you, in the busyness of your life that you need to hit the pause button when it comes to your family. Second P word is patience. Having kids will help you realize how impatient you are. Having kids will help you realize how selfish you are. And I know some of you mothers are going to hate me for this. But I was one of those dads that at night when the baby cried, I pretended I was asleep. Am I alone here? Help me out. <laughs> you realize how selfish you are when you've got kids that are demanding of you all the time. And I was one of those dads who decided I was going to teach all of my kids to drive on a standard transmission. And I lost my patience quite often keeping that commitment. In the seasons of life, we need patience. Take a moment and, and watch this video. Pause, patience. The third word is perspective. If your family life is all fun, joy, and silliness, you will never develop deep relationships. If all your family gatherings are barbecues and picnics and ball games and vacations and you never have those times when you gather in a hospital room or at the police station, or at the funeral home, you will have shallow relationships. Let me share a verse with you. It's a familiar one. It's in Romans chapter 8. You don't have to turn there, but it's in the context of God's love. In verse 35, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? And then right afterwards, in verse 38, it says, For I am convinced that Neither death nor life nor any of these things will separate us from the love of God. And then right in the middle, we find verse 37, and let me read it to you. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. In all these things, what things? If you go back to 35, you read this. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. In all these things, we conquer. And what I want you to notice is this. He doesn't say, in spite of all these things. 
He says, in all these things. If you don't get anything else today, get this. You don't experience the love of the Lord in spite of tribulation. You experience the love of the Lord because of tribulation. And the same is true of any relationship that you have. Tribulations unite us. And that's the perspective we need as we go through these seasons of life, to use those difficult times to draw us together in love. Third thing I want to say. The key to family relationships is humility. Humility is being honest about who I am. And humility begins when I look reality in the face. Guess who's the slowest to do this? Men. We are. The last time you had a physical problem, how long did it take you to actually go to the doctor? Why is that? Because we don't want to face the reality. Your whole family knows it. They're saying, would you stop coughing and go to the doctor? And we're saying, well, it'll probably be gone tomorrow. They know it. They're telling us we tend to deny. I would suggest to you that the same is true often spiritually. That we're the last ones to really look in the mirror and say, I've got a spiritual problem. Our family sees it. But we don't want to go to the doctor. The Bible says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. You want to find humility, get in the presence of the Lord and see Him for who He is. And when you see Him for who He is, you will see yourself for who you are. And then you will say, I'm not perfect. I am selfish. I am impatient. impatient. I do need help. It's only when we arrive at humility that things can change in our life. When you're humble, you're willing to look stupid. Don't take this wrong, but when your little one-year-old walks, he or she looks pretty stupid. I mean, their head is full size and their body's not, so they're like, you know. But they're humble enough to look stupid because they have a goal in mind. When you teach your kids to ride the bike, what do you do? You put the training wheels on. Training wheels look pretty stupid. They're willing to say, I'm I'm willing to embrace stupid because I want to get better. I want to change. Some of you fathers are sitting here today thinking, 
If I say to my family, we're going to start having devotions or we're going to start praying before our meals, I'm going to look stupid. Well, be humble enough to embrace stupid. You say, well, Dan, my, my kids are too old. No. It's not too late. You see, the Bible tells us you can't regain time, but you can redeem time. And you can say, from this day forward, I'm going to do things differently. And even if people laugh at me, even if I look stupid, I'm going to be humble enough to make those changes and let God make changes in me and my family. Humility is also willing to admit I'm wrong. <clears throat> I was a rebellious teenager. My dad got mad at me all the time, and he had full reason to do so. I remember, I, I don't remember a lot of that, I just, it, it's all kind of blurs together because it was like every day. But one thing stands out to me. I remember a time when my dad and I had collided and I went to my room. I was mad. I was steaming. And he came to my room and he apologized for getting angry. And I thought, wow. Even in my rebellion, he respects me enough. He loves me enough. He's humble enough to apologize. Dad, when's the last time you apologized to your kids? You're not perfect, so you have opportunities. We need to be humble enough to say, I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. God's still working on me. Humility is willing to look stupid. Humility is willing to admit I'm wrong. And let me say one more thing about humility. Humility is willing to say, I need help. The Bible says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. When I am humble before the Lord, then I am able to receive grace to help in those times of need. And so I would say this, humility is the key to relationships, vertically and horizontally. Humility lets you get real with God and it lets you get real with your family. And when you get real with God, it unlocks the door to His grace. And when you get real with your family, guess what it unlocks? It unlocks the door to their love. Pride is about pretending. Humility is about honesty and reality. Have you ever noticed that it's hard to love someone who's pretending? Because you're trying to love someone who doesn't exist. When we humble ourselves, we, say, we take the facade off and we say, this is who I am. 
and we're able to receive honest love from our family. Let's pray together. Father, we pray today for each of the families represented here. We pray for our family, the family of God, this church. Father, I pray that we would realize that my family is not perfect and stop pretending that we are. That we would realize today that there are seasons in the life of a family and that we would work at hitting the pause button, slowing down, being patient, and seeing the perspective that in those challenges and persecutions and tribulations of life, we draw closer to you and closer to each other. And Father, help us to understand that humility is the key to your grace and to practical love in our lives. And we give you thanks that you are the only one who can answer our needs. And so we lean on you today, call out to you today to help us become who you've called us to be. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have the kids come up here. If you were at VBS, here we go. Come on. Come all the way up. You're going to be the special music today.